What up, guys? This is Lisa Billu here, and you're listening to Women of Impact, where people like you join for absolute freaking inspiration, motivation, a dose of badassery, and yes, absolutely no BS talk. I'm your host, and in the second part of this power-packed conversation with one of the top, absolute top motivational speakers in the world. So buckle in because you're about to experience a motivational ride like no other. And after today's episode, guys, you actually start to look for ways to overcome those challenges that are actually holding you back. We unpack why expressing genuine emotions and giving unconditional love are crucial for self-love and self-trust. We go deeper into Lisa's strategy for personal growth and explore why your past experiences with your current partner are so important and Lisa's tips for healthier, happier relationships that you can actually use to thrive on. Guys, before we dive in, if this episode or Women of Impact actually brought you value, please do share it. That's the one way that we're going to be able to really impact the world together. So, Share this episode with your homie. Let them know that Women of Impact exists and let's create impact together. So now, without further ado, let's dive in with my girl and freaking motivational badass, Lisa Nichols. It always takes that one moment, though, of taking that chance, taking that, you know, um, risk, if you will. How do you work through that? potential risk or taking the chance because you move I mean just take your story this is you know once you got married but you moved all the way to the Bahamas you know so uprooting your life taking that chance speaking to somebody on a date that you're dating and saying I need you to hold me to greet me you know to have these agreements is all taking a chance big chance I I moved to the Bahamas before we got married before we got engaged um I was scared But one, I trusted my bounce back. I wanted it to go good, but I trusted me if it went south. I knew I could get up. That was number one. That helped me get on the plane. I wasn't planning for it not to go well. I just trusted there's life after if it doesn't go. So get on the plane. So that's key to really tap into your ability to bounce back from any of it. I just believe that. I'm not saying I'm invincible, but I am saying after all these years, I've learned I can bounce back. So um, so I was nervous. I didn't know what to say to him. I realized that, I, that I'm a serial entrepreneur <laughs> and I can totally talk about transformation. <laughs> In front of like tens and hundreds of thousands of people. Easy. <laughs> Easy, easy, television, easy, anywhere, stadiums, all around the world. But I didn't know what to say to this man. I didn't know. It was so, I was so vulnerable. There's so much in my heart. I moved to the Bahamas. I'm in this little two-bedroom Airbnb, and he comes to visit me, and I just go, hi. And so... I got some conversation cards. I got conversation cards that were based in transformation, authenticity, and transparency. So they weren't topical. They really asked questions. And I just, I was honest with them. I said, I don't know how to connect at the level that I want to connect at right now in my life because I've been so focused on parenting and being a CEO. I do those really 
pretty well, I, I would say. My son would give me a pass and my company would give me a pass. So I need to learn how to date like this because I knew I, I knew this was long term. This wasn't just there was some something at stake. You know what I mean? The more there is at stake, the more wonky I get. Right. And I realized I didn't know how to flirt, that I hadn't flirted with anyone under 70 and over seven. <laughs> so I was like, you have to be over 70 and under seven and I can flirt really good with you. And so I realized that my flirting muscle was off. I didn't I didn't like my come hither had gone there. You know, I just I had I just had the muscle, but I knew it was there. I knew she was there. I knew the woman that wanted sensuality and love and long-term intimacy and connection and best friend. I knew she was there. I could feel her in my belly. I just needed to let her know she was safe to come out. And so I told him that. I said, I, I, I haven't done it like this in a long time. And uh, I, I, my running shoes stay on. I, I find reasons to be busy because mm-hmm. busy is safe for me but I don't want to be busy. I want to be in connection with you. And then he said, I don't know how to do it either. I'm a newscaster. I know how to be on television, do the news. I know how to father, but I want you. I waited eight years for you. So we both just sat in the, let's learn how to do it in our fifties. We both had dated a lot in our twenties and thirties and both of us had kind of been on hiatus in our 40s. And so it was a new season. It was more at stake. And the, fr- the most freeing thing we did was say, let's, let's get some help. So we got these little cute cards, and uh, it's the and game. And, and we would do the cards together. They asked questions like, what childhood experience shaped you? Um, did your parents, were your parents intimate? Uh, did they show, uh, this was a beautiful one for he and I, um, did your parents show affection in front of you and how did it shape you? And I had been feeling like, wow, if he likes me, I can't tell too much because he's not, he doesn't hold my hand. He doesn't say, I love you. He doesn't kiss me. Uh, he kisses me, but he doesn't offer the kiss. Everything was me. And so I'm, I'm really in my head. And mm. I asked this one question, how did your, did your parents show intimacy in front of you? How did it shape you? And he said, I never heard my parents say I love you to each other. I never saw my parents kiss. And it shaped me because I don't know how to do it. And I went, oh, so what was what was shaping up to be resentment was instantly replaced with compassion, instantly replaced with understanding. I was like, oh. Oh my God. Oh, that makes sense. It makes sense that it's foreign to you. It makes sense that when I would say, I love you to him, he would go, he would look like this. Okay. Oh, now it makes sense. It's foreign to you. And so I said, may I, are you open to learn? He goes, I want to learn. My jaw is on the floor. Yeah, so yeah, like the base assumption that he doesn't love you if, if he doesn't say it, if he doesn't, um, if he doesn't hold your hand, it means he doesn't Completely. love you. We make up the story Completely. in our head. So first of all, I'm dealing with my fears mm-hmm. and my fears are fueling my thoughts. Like, is this real? Is it going to stay? Am I going to have to go back home? Right. I'm in a foreign country. I'm in a, mm-hmm. I don't want another failed relationship. Oh my God, I got to, you know, and all of this stuff. So 
on top of that, if he's not holding my hand and he's not like groping me, like I want him to grope me. I want him to accost me. I want him to say, I love you every And none of that. And his way of saying, I love you was to cook for me and to be there right for me. Like it was different. I was, I, I want touch and he wasn't so much. And I want audio. And so, so I learned that about him. Then we both read the five love languages together and we would just sit beside each other and read. And whenever he would go, mm, that means we would close our books and we would talk about the mm. Whenever I would go, mm, we would close our books and we would talk about my mm. So we just started learning because he didn't know what his love language was. He didn't know. And he was like, oh, I, I actually like touch. I like, I prefer touch. And I was like, you do? So we... So as we discovered more of ourselves as a partner, you can know yourself. I knew myself as a woman. I knew myself as a mother, knew myself as a businesswoman. I didn't know myself as a partner because when I had lovers, that was easy. And so I knew how to manage casual relationships. I'll call it that casual. I knew this wasn't casual and I, we were navigating through that. He knew this wasn't casual. So that required a whole nother level of that. So I learned how I was as a partner. And so once we learned that, we so we brought in words and explanations and personality tests and, and partnership tests and questions. And that sparked. And I would sit and listen, Lisa. I would listen to him answer one question from one card and fall more in love with him. And I realized it was a jump starter for him. He needed a jump starter and I needed a jump starter. And it, I honestly believe that seeking out ways to connect and communicate and share was how we got to our engagement. Because I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say yes to him if I didn't know how to make this connection. And I didn't know how to make the connection by myself because there was so much at stake. I loved him so much. I wanted it so to work. Um, and, um, and I was, I had fear in the background too. So I just learned how to support someone to love me. I had to learn how to support someone to love me. I think there are times when we make loving us hard. And what do you mean by that? I, I, <laughs> Uh, a former boyfriend of mine who became a good friend said, um, Lisa, uh, you're not easy to date. And I said, why? I, I, I don't think I'm high maintenance. He goes, you're not. You're really easy. You're really easy as a person. He said, but when a guy sees you, he sees a cute smile, maybe a cute bud. He sees you in your heels and he just wants to date you. He goes, but then when he goes on the journey with you, he has to transform. I said, why? He said, because you're always transforming. Mm -hmm. He said, you live in transformation. You live in self-discovery. You live in evolution. So your partner has to live in that with you. And he didn't sign up for that. I said, what? He said, he signed up for your cute ass. He signed up for the voluptuous breast. He signed up for the, the delicious lips. He signed up for the, you know, show-stopping smile. He signed up for the funny personality. And then he falls for you. And it's easy to fall for you. And now he has to live 
and transformation and personal development. And he has to always evolve. That was, that was sobering. It was sobering for me to accept that I, I wasn't always easy to date. I'm, 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 I'm a piece of work. (laughs) I'm a piece of work that requires movement, requires evolution. I'm a seeker and a searcher and a discoverer. And I could choose someone for love and they not know how to do all of that. And I'm so grateful to my friend. I'm so grateful to him, Dana Johnson. I'll say his name because he loved me enough to tell me the truth. He said, be gracious with the man you choose and invite him to evolve with you. Don't force him. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with ZocDoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location, 
and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks. Because let's face it, when you're sick, you need to see someone right now. So my homie, do not, I repeat, do not neglect your health. Instead, go over to ZocDoc.com slash Lisa and download the ZocDoc app for absolutely free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Lisa. ZocDoc.com slash Lisa. That's so powerful. But like that growth thing is when I get asked, well, we just celebrate our 21 year wedding anniversary. Thank you. Oh, so happy and just in love with the man more than ever. And people keep asking, right, the secret, the secret, the secret yeah. to, you know, marriage. And I said, the truth is, to me, they have to have a growth mindset. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, they have to have a growth mindset. Yeah. It's not about, it's not even about the communication. Yeah. That is a massive part of it. Yeah. But the growth, because if you're looking to grow, if you want yeah. to be a better person every single day, like the person I want to be, like I know where I want to go. Yeah. So it takes time. It takes yeah. skills. It takes yeah. evolution. It takes transformation. Yeah. And so being with someone that that supports you in that yeah. growth and is on their own growth journey yeah. is imperative because I went from a stay-at-home wife for eight years, cooking and cleaning for my husband, to now saying, sorry, babe, I love you, but you're on your own. I'm going to go do this entrepreneurial stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... That evolution for me, if I wasn't with someone that has also a growth mindset, yeah. they wouldn't have appreciated yeah. Yeah. the transformation I was making. And so to your point, it is difficult, but I actually think that that's, it's a, a trait that is imperative. I believe if you're with someone or if you're the type of person that prides themselves on growth. growth and transformation. Right. It has to be a, an embedded characteristic in them. Mm -hmm. um, my husband is, we're very different. We're very different in a beautiful way. And on our wedding day, in his vows, he said, um, I'll be the lighthouse to help you find your way home. And I'll be the string to your kite as you soar the world. And um, so his, who he is, is steady. Um, and uh, yet since we've been married, he's gotten certified in seven different forms of health and nutrition and fitness and wellness. And um, so I see that we're very different, but we we're on the same foundation of growth. Mm -hmm. um, he is an anchor and I am a, I'm wings. And what I realize is when I gave myself permission to not hold my future hostage to my past. And I'll, I'll explain that when it comes to love, your brain only has history that it can go back and remember. And when you're in your 50s or 40s or 30s, you have history behind you of uh, possibly, you possibly have history of dating, relationships. And I realized that my brain was trying to keep me safe while my heart was trying to find love. Mm -hmm. And so I asked, honestly, I'm now... You can call me a little cuckoo, but I process Lisa. I talked to her. I, so I asked myself, I said, can you give yourself permission to trust again as if you were never hurt and to use the discernment, the discernment that you now have 
because you navigated through the hurt. So look, listen to those juxtaposed things. Lisa, can you give yourself permission to trust again as if you were never hurt while using the discernment, by using the judgment that you developed from all of your past hurt? Can you get to that point? Again, you asked me several times about different things and my answer was I, 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 I kept doing the work. What does that look like? I got in the mirror and I completed three sentences every day. It took me about 20 minutes and I learned the hard way. Don't do it before work because this is when I have a job. Do it in the evening when you got some space because a lot of emotions come up. The first thing that I did was I completed the sentence, Lisa, I'm proud that you. I found seven different things, seven different things to celebrate myself for because we're all adults, we're all three-year-olds trapped in adults' bodies. What gets celebrated gets repeated and we're under-celebrated. We are under-celebrated. We got to wait a whole freaking year to get celebrated again on our birthday, right? We stop having graduations. We stop, Mm -hmm. like we just, we're under-celebrated as a people, Mm -hmm. which is why when we're acknowledged, it feels so awkward. You want to stop feeling awkward when you're acknowledged? Be acknowledged more. Throw self-acknowledgement parties. Invite somebody to the doggone party. So I celebrated myself every morning for seven different things by saying, Lisa, I'm proud that you. Some days, Lisa, it was just, Lisa, I'm proud that you got out of bed today. Lisa, I'm proud that you made those two sales phone calls because you know how nervous sales makes you. Lisa, I'm proud that you fixed Jelani a healthy meal today and no beanies and weenies today. Lisa, I just found seven different things to celebrate myself for. So that's number one. Celebrate yourself. Say your name. I celebrate you for seven different endings. The second one was super important and super hard. I said, Lisa, I forgive you for. Every day I cut the shackles of blame, shame, guilt, regret, and anger. Key things is blame and shame. Every day, Lisa, I forgive you. Lisa, I forgive you for lowering your your integrity bar because you were lonely. Lisa, I forgive you for beating yourself up so much that you accepted the first man that came to you because you felt you were unworthy. Lisa, I forgive you for gaining a hundred pounds. Lisa, I forgive you for having a baby before you got married. I mean, I, I forgave the big stuff, Lisa, and I forgave the small stuff, but I, I had a so much, I had so much garbage. I had so much shadow and shade and, and stuffed secrecy that, that didn't affect anybody but me. But I didn't want it anymore. Lisa, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you for lying to your father for three years on where your son's father was when he was in prison. I forgive you for saying that he was out of town. I forgive you for feeling shame about his choice to be to do something criminal, not yours. I forgive you for living in shame. Lisa, I I mean, I went down the list. I purged every day, seven different things. And then the last sentence was, Lisa, I commit to you that. Every day I made seven commitments to myself. Lisa, I commit to you that today you'll say yes only when you want to say yes. And you'll say no when you feel like a freaking no. 
Lisa, I commit to you that today I won't dim my light. Today I'll let the whole light shine, even if it makes other people feel uncomfortable. Lisa, I commit to you that I'll look in the mirror and not beat you up. I'll just see you for you. I just won't beat you up today. Lisa, I commit to you that I'll look at your body today with no clothes on. And I'll find one good thing about it. And I commit you that tomorrow I'll work to find two. I did it every day. Every day I said, Lisa, I'm proud that you, I found seven reasons to celebrate myself. Lisa, I forgive you for, I found seven shackles of blame, shame, guilt, and regret to cut. And Lisa, I commit to you. I found seven things to commit to myself every day. You want to begin to ground yourself in that feeling of solitude? Do that. Now, I did it every day for six months, but I was trying to save my life. You may not be there. I was trying to save Lisa's life. I was trying to find Lisa's life again. I was trying to find my light again. And by doing that, I turn my crawl into a walk and then I turn my walk into a run and then I turn my run into a sore. I still do that exercise. It has now been 27 years and I still do that. I don't do it anymore for six months because I was getting out of a place. It turned my depression around. Now I do it as a way of purging, as a prayer of staying center with me, staying true to me. What do you what what unconsciously have you not celebrated yourself for that you need to celebrate yourself for? Don't wait for someone else to celebrate you. Throw your own self a party. We, we're so under celebrated. We're waiting for other people. And then the second piece is. Don't walk with the shame, Lisa. Don't walk with the shame. I forgive you for. When I tell you that second sentence is so powerful. I ran into my abuser. 13 years later, I ran into my former fiance who had abused me. And he came to me with his wife. And they both were crying, asking for my forgiveness. She said, can you please free my husband and give my husband back to me? He is riddled with shame of what he did to you. And when I tell you, Lisa, the best feeling on the planet was because I had done that mirror work. And I forgave myself, which allowed me the space to forgive him. I stood in front of my monster, who I considered to be my monster. And I saw him cry. And I realized that monsters don't cry. No monster I've ever met cry. And I realized my monster wasn't a monster. He was a tormented man. And I felt so good. Lisa, so good that I can stand in front of this man and this woman who were fighting for their love and their healing. And I could tell him, I've already forgiven you. Go in peace. Go live in peace. And he sobbed. He broke down in front of me. Six, nine, 240 pounds. He broke down and sobbed tears of gratitude. I said, I forgive you. I've already forgiven you. Go with peace. Go be with peace. 
Go love your wife. You owe me nothing. You owe her. Give her what she deserves. Give yourself what you deserve. Forgive you first. There's so much in forgiveness. There's so much uh, in mirror work forgiveness. Mirror work forgiveness consistently will dissolve the shame. Mm. Mirror work forgiveness. Yeah, I was going to say, if you hadn't have done that, how do you think you would have felt if you saw him? I, I would have. I wouldn't have been able to talk to him. I would have been riddled with, with, with shame and fear. I wouldn't have been able to c- care front him. I didn't confront him. I care fronted him. I wouldn't have had the empathy and the compassion. Forgiveness is the doorway to so much growth. Forgiveness of self and forgiveness of someone else. Now, remember, forgiveness does not pardon the behavior. Forgiveness does not accept the the, the treatment. Forgiveness does not right a wrong. It doesn't make a wrong right. Forgiveness is not about a past behavior being proved right or wrong. Forgiveness is about your current space, the real estate in your body being opened up for love. So many times we want love, but there's no space in our body and our energy source for love. You want love, open up space for love. You want forgiveness, open up space for forgiveness. You may have to let something go. I had to let go of shame, blame, guilt, regret, and anger. I had to let go of some of that. You won't let it go in one day. You won't let it go in one book. You won't let it go in one show. It's a daily, it's a daily action. I I was in it daily. With myself, no show, no performance, no lights, no camera, a bathroom mirror, and a lot of Kleenex, and a lot of snotty noses, and a lot of ugly crying. I mean, I did the ugly cry, Lisa. Some of my I forgive you for was inaudible. It was like, forgive you for inaudible. No one could understand what I was saying, but I knew what I was saying. I did it when my son was asleep. I would go out, take a long walk when no one was around. I didn't want any distractions so I can get it all out. I was evicting the anger, evicting the shame, evicting the blame. You have, you can no longer take up real estate in my body. There's a calling on my life and I want to live it out. I don't want to be a portion of who I could be. I don't want to be a part of who I could become. I want to see who she is. I want to see who she's becoming. And anything that's not in alignment with the woman I'm becoming, you got to go. Evicted. And did you say then, this is the the person I want to become and then backtrack? Not first. At first, I didn't have that awareness. Mm -hmm. When your head is underwater, you can't think about all you're going to do with your oxygen. Mm -hmm. All you want is to breathe. So the first part of my journey, no, I wasn't running toward who I was becoming. I was outrunning who I'd been. (laughs) I wanted, she had to die away. And I didn't hate her. She just, she was, she was driven by fear and insecurity she was driven by lack. She was driven by scarcity. She was driven by hurt. She, all of her, all of her soil, all of her soil was stuff that was. <sighs> and I said, I, 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 I accept her. I bring her with me. She ain't going nowhere. That's my sister soldier. <laughs> That's my sister soldier. 
but I needed her to allow me to plant some new things. So the initial part, Lisa, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't even have a clear vision of the woman I was becoming. I didn't have a clear vision of who I could become. I was so lassoed, so tight. I was just, I was, I was choked by who I had been. And all I wanted initially was the hand off my throat so I could breathe and choose so much of who we are. It wasn't chosen by us. It's a, we're, we're, we are a culmination of our culture, of our geographical origin, of our religious background. We're, we're a culmination of the money we had or didn't have, the decisions that were made based on money to keep it or to get it or to lose it. We're so much of who I was was because I was born and raised in South Central LA, because I was raised between the Harlem Crip 30s and the Roland 60s, because I had three fights a week to get home from school, because I was on government's assistance, because I was functionally dyslexic, because I was dark with full lips and kinky hair and round hips, because, because, because. I, I did, there was no space for who I could become. I needed to first own who I was, and stop being a victim of who I was. Stand on my blackness, on my kinky hair and my full lips and my round hips. See her, love her, embrace my South Central and not be ashamed that I'm the South Central that was always on the news. Understand that my mom and my dad made a dollar going 10 different directions and be okay with that. I had to first own all that. So no, Lisa, when I first did it, I wasn't focused on who I was becoming. I had to first just accept who I was and 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 not be a victim to who I was. So much of who we are, we throw back to our parents or our community or where we were raised. You don't know, but you don't know about my past. I wanted to not stand in my story. I wanted to stand on my story. I wanted my story to be my platform, not my sinking sand not my cement. I wanted it to be something that I can launch from, not try to run from. And so it took a while. When I first was doing it, hmm, I was just trying to get out of the sinking sand of being a black woman in South Central LA who's now a single mother whose father's in prison. Hell, I had all that. I had to, I had to, I just didn't want to be a victim to that. You know what I mean? It was like, I had all these reasons to be mediocre. All these acceptable, acceptable societal, susceptible reasons to be mediocre. Oh, you black woman. Oh, you're a woman. Oh, you born in the hood. Oh, you had a baby before you got married. Oh, your son's father's in prison. Oh, you're on government assistance. Yeah, no, I just. I wanted to use all that as fuel and it took it took some. Everyone has a story. That's mine. Everyone. You have a story. Our cameraman has a story. Everyone in this office has a story. Everyone watching has a story. I just want to make sure my story was serving me and not serving me a sentence of being sentenced to my story. Mm. I wanted my story to serve me to who I was becoming. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it 
especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. God damn, girl, that was so strong. So strong. I'm such an advocate for the same thing of like, you're an adult now, you know, the past doesn't uh, define you. You can use it. I love the whole platform analogy. That's so beautiful. Um, and anytime I talk about anything on this show from a personal experience, my mum watches it all the time. And you hi, know, um, and sometimes she, you know, I, I'll talk about, you know, my eating issues and the reason why I was so, um, I had such an, uh, a bad relationship with food was I, I watched my mom borderline anorexic growing up. And I'm like, mom, I don't blame you because, you know, she feels a bit of a yeah. guilt. And I'm like, yeah. no, mom. Like I, in my adulthood, I decided to then be, um, to, to have a bad relationship with food. And so you cannot beat yourself up. I have to do the internal work. So I, and it empowers me to be honest. That's where I found it. And I, I have used, to let it out. Yeah. yeah. I used to actually like the blame, like or the, the guilt or the shame, I should say, of like, well, you know, I was brought up like this. You know, it actually made me, um, it relinquished the, the, the responsibility, yeah. which, until I had a growth mindset, actually, it soothed me. And then once yeah. I had the growth mindset and adopted, hang on, is this serving you? Yeah. Like, just ask yourself yeah. this. Is this serving you? Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah. I freaking love that. Um, and you j- dropped it a bit um, earlier, a few times, actually, where you said that your husband was um, pursuing you for eight years. And so with everything that you just said, like, how hard it must have been, God, like, just freaking how hard. The things... You had every right to succumb to the expectations that maybe people put on you of where you grew up, having your child, you know, out of wedlock, all of that. So having done all that work and then having somebody pursue you, having these relationships where they weren't right for you and then having Marcella, um, you know, reach out year after year after year. A, do you think you would be together if he hadn't, like, would, how do you feel about you pursuing men versus men pursuing you? Yeah. And then why did it take eight years? And what was the final moment where you realized that he hmm. was right for you? So Marcellus and I, um, when we met, it was instant energy um, and, um, and instant discounting. Uh, we talked for 11 and a half hours when we first met. Because uh, I was leaving the next day, so we decided to be radical. And he's uh, he he's navigating. He's not as shy as he used to be, but he's he's not a man of of he doesn't pursue very much. Um, and I honestly I discounted that he could want me because uh, he at the time I was a hundred pounds overweight, and he uh, has an eight pack. You know, he just won. He just won the master's competition last year for the Bahamas National 
um, bodybuilding championship. So, you know, he's championship. So uh, on an unconscious level, I disqualified. Um, nah, he wouldn't. He's Caribbean. He's very attractive. He's a newscaster. He's physically fit. He's gorgeous. Um, I don't feel like the drama. I gave it an excuse. And um, once a month, he messaged me, hello. And then the next month, he would message me, how are you? And then the next month, he would message me, checking on you and Jelani. He had these three lines he would always do, and he rotated those three lines uh, every month. And I didn't realize that he was doing it every month because I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. I discounted him. This guy has a bunch of girlfriends. He's probably married. He has. He says he only has two children. He probably has nine, seven, poor seven kids. They're not being, they're, <laughs> literally, I would say this. Those poor seven kids are not being uh, claimed by their father. And I kept saying this. And if you keep saying something long enough, you'll make it your truth. Mm -hmm. And so I made him a player. I made him not serious. I made him, you know, uh, a womanizer or, or, or a player, uh, at least a player. And it became true. So it got to a point where I would see his message. I go, oh, there's the there's the Bahamian player. Now, no evidence. He's done nothing <laughs> to prove this. But it's my limiting belief that he would be serious about me. And, um, and I, uh, I also knew that I didn't have the bandwidth at that time to give a relationship what I wanted to give it. Cause I was really building my business and my son was, I think 13 or so at the time. And my son would, he doesn't jump into social circles easy. So I didn't want to even think about having to move him or meeting. So I had all these reasons why not. And one night I was in the shower and I was praying to God for a consistent man. I said, God, just send me a consistent man, a man of his word. And I got out the shower and my phone pinged. Hi. And I went. <laughs> so I decided to read all of his text. And I realized that every month for for eight years that he sat on the sidelines and just said hi. And I'm sure, and he dated during that time, but he said he wouldn't make any long-term commitments because he said until he felt the, the way he felt talking to me for those 11 hours that he would wait. So I called him. I waited until 3 a.m. California time, 6 a.m. Bahamas time, and I called him. And the first thing he said is, is everything okay? This is the first time you've called him in eight years. He said, is everything okay? I said, why do you ask? He says, because I haven't heard your voice. I haven't heard your voice in eight years. And I said, oh, yeah. It's the first time I called him in eight years. And he said, what made you call? And I said, I was wondering if you still liked me. And he said, I do. And I said, are you single still? He said, I am. And I said, I stuttered. I'm not going to make it sound like I was all eloquent at this point. I said, do, 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 do you want to date me? Probably one of the scariest moments in the last 10 years of my life. Because I knew I felt it. And he says, I do. 
and I was done. I I already knew he was a friend and he was consistent and um and I needed to figure out how to date him and not shadow over him like I could be a tsunami. You know, when you work so long solo in whatever field you're in, whatever world you're in, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to not perfect, but right. And so I uh, immediately, I told him that I'm a runner. Immediately, I told him that a runner from relationships. If the relationship doesn't seem right, I'll, or if I think you're going to leave me, I'll slide, I'll step back. And after eight years, I realized that um, I wasn't staying single because I chose to be single. I was staying single because I was afraid of getting hurt again. And while being afraid of being hurt again is a real feeling, um, it's not an excuse to not step into love again. So I realized the responsible thing I could do if I was afraid of being hurt again was to give myself the parameters, the guideline and support as I step into love again versus avoiding love again. So many women avoid love again to avoid hurt again. And that's not just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That's throwing out the tub, throwing out the house. That's robbing yourself of something beautiful. And so why not develop the muscle of how to love, how to agree, how to communicate? How about we develop that muscle so we can have love and reduce the chance of being hurt again? So that's what I decided to do. I I could easily fill my love void with work. And because I work with the love of people, I work meeting great people. I work traveling the world. I work living a first class life. It's really easy to fill that love space with that. And I didn't want to let myself off the hook of going, no, build a muscle, build a muscle of partnership. Yeah, because I was just thinking, it's like you fill your life with that. Other people will fill it with maybe drugs or alcohol or, you know, like a very um, unhealthy behavior. Um, And so I really do process, like, what would your life have been like if he hadn't pursued you for eight years to come to that conclusion? I definitely wouldn't have been with him. The other question you asked is, would I have pursued him? I would not. I I tell Marcellus all the time, you're the reason why we're married. And I'm grateful for you. You're the reason why we're both so happy. Um, He's the reason why. And I I said to him once, why didn't you say something other than hi? Why didn't you say something other than I was Jelani? Why didn't you say, I like you? Let's go out on a date. And he said to me, he said, I'm paralyzingly shy. He said, you don't understand the courage it took me just to say hi. So that taught me something, too, is to meet people where they are. Meet people where they are, not where I think they should be. Like, I was imposing my expectations on him because other alpha men would pursue me like, you know, And he wasn't that way. And actually, the thing I love most about him is that he's not that way, mm. you know. And so I am I, I was imposing what I thought his pursuit of me should look like. Mm. And 
when he said, you don't understand, you don't know the courage it took me just to say hi to you every month. He goes, you could have replied back, I'm married, leave me alone. You could have replied back, get a life, stop texting me. He goes, every month I took that risk. Were you replying? Sometimes. Just with like, hi? Hi. I was, and my replies gave him no encouragement. Mm. <laughs> no encouragement to continue. Mm. So when I look at it, he was super courageous. And I wasn't. I, I just I, I didn't I didn't support our connection until that night when I laid on my bed at 11 p.m. And I read all of his messages. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, he's been under my nose the entire time. And let me tell you what my husband told me. I like saying husband. You notice mm, I love it. Let me tell you what he told me on our one our, our second date. Because I'm like telling him about the alpha males that pursue me and they they come after me. And why aren't you doing that? And a strong woman like me would l respond to a strong man. And he looked at me with a very calm <laughs> face. He said, I'm a masculine man. I'm not an alpha male. He said, alpha males are hunters. But they're not keepers. He said, I'm a keeper. He said, but masculine men will always stand behind. Tom is a, a, a masculine man. Masculine men will always stand behind alpha men who are always talking and toting and bravadoing. He goes, and we'll just wait for them to run out of gas. <laughs> he said, but we don't ever try to get in front of them. It's not our personality. He said, but we're the ones that's always there for you when you're crying. We're the ones that's always going to support you through your hard time. But we're also the ones you're always going to step over to get to the alpha male. He said, because television polarizes and and displays and honors the alpha male. He goes and there's I have nothing against them. He said, but there's a whole group of beautiful men called masculine men. And we're not aggressive and we're not bravado. And we're not going to billy club you over the head and drag you back to the cave. That's not our personality. But we will just be there for you. So do you feel like it was a misconception then of what you thought you wanted? Completely. I dated alpha men for 20 years mm -hmm. and, and got to the point where I was disgusted with them. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was who I was attracted to. So I didn't even understand that I wasn't, I was attracted to the pursuit. I wasn't attracted to the relationship. Oh, yeah, because they hunt really well. They just suck at keeping. Also, that when you are a strong woman, you do look for a man who is also just as strong. So I realized that I want a man as strong, but I, I and my like my partner is as strong as I right. am. But I thought the strength had to come through the it was a personality it was a display of strength all the time, every day. And, and strength looks like this. <laughs> when strength doesn't have to look like that. Strength is quiet. Strength it can be silent. Strength, strength is consistent. Strength is staying in the staying in the fight when the fight doesn't feel good. Mm. Strength is finding resolution. Strength is the apology. Strength is so many things I, I had not seen in my alpha male relationships and nothing against the alpha male. They're just not for me. Strength is in what I see from this human being who says, I'm not going anywhere. I got you. 
You want to cry? Come right here. You can take your cape off. You can go serve the world and come home and climb right here and take your cape off. I'm not going to beat down the door at your event and do some poetry on stage, but I will have dinner for you when you come home. And I will let you be all of who you need to be. I will not just hold you in one regard. You can take your cape off with me. And he didn't just say that. He really did show it, right? And that's like the... He didn't say much because he's quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to learn how to hear differently. Mm. I had to learn how to hear what's underneath the words, hear the the silently getting up. I had to hear the holding my hand. I had to hear the the emojis and the bitmojis. I had to learn how to hear holistically. I only heard what sound, the vibration of sound that I knew. Mm. And at partnership, relationship, talks in many vibrations, because there's two people involved. So I had to adjust my frequency to hear his sound. And then I started seeing love in all these different ways. I was like, oh, 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 yeah, that's love. And it really is love. I'm not making it up. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, it's love. You know, like he will wash my car before he'll wash his car because he knows I love my car to be shiny. He, he's like, okay, I'm okay. Like I'm the dude. When it comes to the, our cars, I'm the dude. I want it shiny. And so I'll decide I want to go somewhere. And it, it rains a lot in the Bahamas. It's the tropics. And the car would have had, you know, mud on it from drive. I have a Jeep with really big wheels. I'm so, I'm a I'm a Jeeper. <laughs> yeah, I got a Jeep right. with really big wheels, and so the it flies over into the car. And I'll say, "Oh, babe, I'm gonna run out and do something." He'll go, "Okay," and then he'll disappear. And I'm in the bathroom getting dressed, and I'll go, "Where is my husband?" And I'll look outside, and he's wiping down my car. I didn't ask him. And so I had to learn all the forms of love. I've heard you say, don't let your next pay for your ex. Yes. Yes, we do it so much. We rob our future because we haven't healed our past. Mm -hmm. And until you heal your past, it will keep showing up in your present and keep robbing your future. I love how much you like ask yourself questions as well to really come to these conclusions. And one, a powerful question I heard you actually ask is how would you live if heartbreak didn't exist? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that really did hit me when I read that, because, again, going back to how much we take our past into our future. And, you know, sometimes you, you have to fall to then realize what you have. Like I had a very abusive ex-boyfriend growing up and I was with him for about four years and I was very insecure, you know, bullied for my looks. And it was the first guy that liked me. So I started dating him at, you know, young age. 
And it wasn't until I then met Tom that I realized, oh, this is what, this, this is what kindness looks like, yeah. grace looks like, yes. uh, masculinity can yes. look like. And we so much think of um, if you've had the heartbreak, when you know how that feels, that hesitation of moving forward, like you said, the fact, the fact that he, he literally courted you for eight yeah. years is such a testament yeah. to him and how much you connected in that 11 and a half hours. And so having that question of like, but what would you do if you hadn't have experienced that heartbreak? Yeah. Or if you knew yeah. the heartbreak wasn't going to happen? Yeah. Like, how would you act How would you leap? How would you leap? What would you try? What would you, what would you join? What would you, how would you soar? How much of your heart would you let out? What would you say unfiltered? What parts of your heart will you give the microphone to? There's so much of your heart that's never gotten the microphone, like unexpressed desires. What would you say? Well, how would you love if you knew heartbreak didn't happen? If you knew you couldn't, what, how would you leap? Like, what would you do with just 5% more self-esteem? What, what would you do? What would you do if you knew you can mend anything? What would you do? How would you run? How would you leap? How would you soar? What would it look like? What would she look like? What would the world see? If your fears didn't interrupt your desires, who would we see and how would we get you? And how would your, how would you sing your song? Your song has so many lyrics and you deserve to sing all the lyrics of your song, the love lyrics, the companion lyrics, the beauty lyrics, the artistic lyrics. You deserve to sing every sound in your body, your vibration. And when you sing the song, we get the benefit of hearing your sound. There's two winners. You get to sing your song that only you can sing. You're the only person that can sing your song. And then we get to hear your song. And you have one job. Before you leave this place, your song must be sang. Your song, sister, must be sang. You got to, and I, that's a black woman, sang, not sing, <laughs> sang. You must sing your song and only you can sing your song. And when we and there's nothing better than watching and witnessing the world move into the vibration of your song, of your truth, of your words. If you want to ask me the best part about my life. The best part is watching someone else. Tune their their musical instruments, their vocal cords, <clears throat> clear their throat because they heard my song and my song inspired their writing, their fingerprint, their DNA to discover and sing their song. That, my friend, that's, that's worth getting up for every day. You have come in, blown my mind, made me cry, like just made me speechless. Everything and above, girl, where can people find you and all just the incredible work that you're doing? And you've got some amazing things coming up. Oh, I'm so excited. So uh, I am in the season of teaching people how to hone and own and use their voices in whatever capacity to be an unforgettable speaker, not just on stage, but in any area. And I'm excited that we have a five day 
Legendary Speakers Challenge coming up. And they can find me at www.legendaryspeaker.com. Again, that's www.legendaryspeaker.com for a five-day speaker challenge that's completely free where I teach you some uh, some secret sauce around how to take any message to the next level and how to be unforgettable on any stage or in any conversation or on video for any interview. That's amazing. And where can people find you? They can find me at Motivating the Masses. That's my jam. I'm always there. Um, also on Instagram, Lisa, the number two, motivate. Lisa to motivate. Always there motivating uh, and inspiring.